listeners, welcome back to Tumor Board with Hilario and Anish. I'm your co-host, Anish. And this is Hilario. Um, so this week, uh, you know, we wanted to switch gears a little bit and talk about a very important topic in medicine. If you are around a lot of physicians, you know, you've heard a lot about uh, physician burnout. And really, it's, it's a topic that affects uh, people in healthcare in general. And I'm sure for other people in other professional studies, there is a form of burnout in it. But we wanted this week to kind of talk a little bit about what burnout looks like in medicine. And maybe hopefully by the end of this uh, two-part series, we can uh, give you a sense of what burnout is and, you know, some of the signs that we can identify within ourselves and our colleagues. And hopefully end end this uh, series with, Offering some some solutions that we think may may be helpful uh, for some people uh, when it comes to burnout. So, Anish, uh, just to kind of give us a, you know an overview of what burnout is, how would you define burnout? The American Medical Association, the largest medical organization for physicians, defines physician burnout as a long-term stress reaction. This can include emotional exhaustion, Mm -hmm. depersonalization. In other words, the physician basically losing empathy for patients Mm -hmm. or perhaps having a negative attitude toward patients um, and, you know, not really seeing patients in a capacity where they want to do their best to help them. Additionally, this may also include feelings of decreased personal achievement. You know, burnout is a condition that affects all specialties in all practice settings, whether private practice, academic, small network of hospital, any setting. Right. Right. And I, and I imagine that even though it's prevalent in all, all the specialties, and we'll probably go through some of that, but uh, every specialty is probably going to look a little bit different in terms of uh, how severe it can be and some of the things in that specialty that lends itself to uh, burnout, correct? Yes, definitely correct. All right, putting some numbers on you know burnout and, and its prevalence. So... Since 2011, the AMA kind of has been working with this group where they've been looking at, you know, physician burnout, the prevalence of physician burnout. Um, and every few years or so, they, they've been updating this uh, this survey that they send out to physicians to kind of get their, an idea of what, where they are at in terms of burnout. Uh, so they started out, like I said, in, in 2011 and in, in 2021, you know, within the pandemic, they really wanted to see how the pandemic may have influenced some of these patterns that we see when it comes to burnout. So uh, they've been doing it, sending out, you know, survey requests to the database of all physicians in the AMA, right? And, you know, they get some people responding to these surveys. And in the 2021, they had maybe like 2,400 people uh, that responded. And you know, essentially the patterns that have been seen, you know, previously are still there, but they're seeing that up to 60 something percent, 60% of physicians 
have at least one manifestation of, of burnout in 2021, uh, which actually has gone up. It's almost double what it was in 2020. And in 2017, it was around 40%. And then in 2014, actually, it was 50-something percent. And then 2020, 2011, which is when they started, it was about 45%. So if you collectively kind of look, draw draw the, the map of how this is going, like in 2021, you know, you can, you can see how COVID may have affected physicians uh, in terms of, of burnout. So up to 60-something percent of them, you know, uh, experience some level of burnout. Uh, they did look at some, you know, metrics within burnout because we talked about how people can get emotionally exhausted, you know, depersonalization and not really feeling fulfilled in, in the workplace. Uh, so looking at the, uh, 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 satisfaction with work-life integration, which essentially is like work-life balance, right? Being able to feel like you're able to get away from work and also have a life at home. Uh, looking at that kind of satisfaction you know, decline uh, from 46% uh, in previous years to about 30% in around 2021. And then when it comes to depression, uh, depression increased 6% from 2020 to 2021. Um, but but just for some background, about about half of physicians, you know, report some depression based on this group of people that, you know, were surveyed, right? And then when you think about, you know, emotional exhaustion, right? Emotional exhaustion also increased uh, about 38%, you know, from prior years. Uh, depersonalization, which is where, which is essentially, are trying distancing themselves emotionally from patients, right? Where there's no empathy expressed over time and uh, they have negative attitudes towards their patient. That increased by 60%, all right? So this was shown to be sort of consistent in terms of the increase across all the specialties. But Anish, you, you talked to us a little bit about how this looks like in some of the other specialties as well. Yeah, first of all, that that study is really, really interesting. And the numbers are pretty crazy. I mean, sixty percent um, have at least one one mm. decision burnout. And right. yeah, you know, there's a large study or survey by Medscape. If you're not familiar with Medscape, Medscape is basically one of the largest networks for physicians, and they did a survey in 2021, and they surveyed about 13,000 doctors across about 30 specialties. Now, overall, almost 50% reported feeling burnout, and the specialty with the most amount of burnout, Hilario, what is your guess? I would say emergency medicine, right? Because I feel like everybody is coming in with some acute issue in the ED, and then, you know, it can get very overwhelmed. I feel like, you know, in the ED for people who don't have insurance and all that stuff, that's their primary care. So ED physicians probably like face a lot, see a, a whole slew of people with diff from different social backgrounds, different issues, right? So I feel like if anybody's gonna feel the brunt of burnout, those are gonna be the, the group of physicians, right? Yes, that is completely correct. Emergency medicine was ranked as a specialty with the highest amount of burnout. Almost 60% of physicians reported that burnout. You know, what was interesting next was critical care. 
I think mm-hmm. in our field, oncology, they didn't separate mm-hmm. out radiation oncology and the rest of oncology, but oncology was about 36%. So still a fairly high number. Right. That's like a third of us, right? You know, that express some level of uh, burnout. And, you know, I, I, I truly think that, you know, these numbers are like underreported, right? Because a whole lot of people who are burnout, first of all, probably wouldn't want to fill out a survey, right? So there's going to be a good number yeah. of them that probably do not want to fill out a survey. And then there's going to be a, a good number of us that also do not really want to say that we're burnt out, right? Because there's this also idea in medicine that people really don't talk about what people will perceive as weakness, right? So I suspect the number is probably a little bit, um, you know, higher than, than that. Yeah, there are stages in terms of assessing burnout and kind of stages of developing that burnout. So mm-hmm. first stage one is called the honeymoon phase. You start your job, you start your training and you're enthusiastic and you want to work, you want to do your best. Uh, right. But then you start doing a little bit more Then you get to stage two, which is mm-hmm. onset of stress in a stage of stagnation. So you feel like maybe you're not making the impact you want to, you feel like maybe you're not learning as much um, and you stagnated. And that's when the stresses start. And a lot of times the physical stress can start. Perhaps you're working late hours, long, you know, a number of days during the week, um, and you're just not able to relieve that stress. And this then transitions to stage three, which is chronic stress. And then, you know, that position becomes frustrated. Um, the mental and emotional exhaustion start really coming into play. And whether it's that feeling of helplessness, that you're not making an impact is more, um, more higher than it used to be. Um, all the, the factors we're going to get into later about kind of what causes burnout, but they start becoming more chronic and they just stay within your body and within your mind. Then you start getting to stage four which is apathy. And that's when you're really burned out and you don't care about anything. You don't care about your patient. You're just kind of doing the job just to do the job, but you don't actually really care about what you're doing and doing it to the best of your capabilities. Right. And, and I feel like that's some form level of like, you know, not feeling fulfilled too, right? Because uh, it might not just be like you're apathetic where you you lost interest in what you're doing, but you know, the thing that I feel like a lot of us went into medicine because we want to help people, right? Um, yeah. But when you're apathetic, you know, that thing, that caring for people probably doesn't fulfill you anymore. So, you know, that really is like one of the classic signs I say of like of burnout, right? Yeah. And I think about those times when, you know, I just feel so tired. I feel burned out. I just want to get home and I just want to get the job done and leave, you know? So, so exactly what you're saying. And, you know, when that starts building up, you get to stage five, which is habitual burnout. Um, And that's when that burnout, there's never really intermittent periods of no burnout. You are just always burned out. So that's, that's very enlightening because, you know, you can kind of see, you know, how this slowly builds up, all right? It starts with just losing enthusiasm for the things that like got in, you into medicine. And 
I feel like like everything when you know it starts off with like let's say bad habits it comes with small stresses here and there and then when they become repeated right uh like anything over time it becomes habit and then you know just become this person where you're consistently burnout you can seem to really find a way out of that so um you mentioned a little bit about some of the signs but I think in our communities as physicians, and at least I know within Radon, we try to really be collegial and try to really stay close to mm-hmm. uh, one another where we, we're able to kind of help each other. Um, that may not be the case in other specialties, be, depending on the nature of the job, but I, I think if you're able to kind of form little communities within your workplace in terms of the people that you work with, uh, that is great. And so that will lend you uh, to be able to kind of like identify some of the signs of burnout in your colleagues or your colleagues might be able to identify that in you or you, you can even identify some of these things in yourself because the first thing to actually being able to uh, find help or be able to help yourself is actually noticing, you know, changes in your mood and all that kind of stuff, right? So you know, some of the common signs that associated with burnout, right? People get irritable and we know people get snappy in, in the hospital, right? Uh, you know, if you're an <laughs> attendant, a medical student asks you a question, you're so stressed out, you kind of give them some snarky answer. Or you don't even we've, definitely all, we've definitely all seen that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we've definitely seen that. And, and to some degree, like, you know, I sometimes I understand it's like, oh, this attendant is really busy and the answer they gave me was very rude, right? And, you know, I, I, I get that. So sometimes I think when I was in med school, I try to a lot, kind of distance myself a little away from my attendants, especially when I see that they're super busy. So uh, maybe I identified, I saw that I did that more out of fear. Uh, but, but sometimes there's a signs of burnout in, in, in our attendants. Uh, you know, if you're in a, a resident group, right? Your senior residents, like you have a little, you have a little more responsibility, right? Especially if you're in medicine, uh, and then the intern, they have to kind of take care of the intern, you know, show them the ropes, right? And then sometimes you're in the hospital for so long, right? So you know that comes with ir- irritability, right? People get irritable, and when the, that keeps happening, that really starts becoming a behavior where you're always irritable, right? People withdraw from friends and family, so because the workplace is, you know, it's, you know, they're burnt out from work. When they come home, they don't really engage with family members, right? Uh, they, they don't, they, they kind of get mm-hmm. within themselves, you know, don't want to go out. And, and that may also be that, you know, they don't have time. They don't feel like they don't have time to go out and spend that time with, with family and friends because when they come home, they're tired, they want to go straight to bed, right? Um, but even even being able to identify when you have time to be able to sleep before, when, when people are burned out, they, they tend more to withdraw than to try and seek that kind of support or seek that kind of uh, relationship or fellowship with other, other people like family and friends. And then this more serious thing is that, you know, with burnout, people get impaired, right? Judgment, you can, you can impair your judgment if you're tired and stressed out, uh, you know, it, it can lead to mistakes, right? Uh, so. You know, you see people who are making poor judgments and that's really not in their nature. That might give you a sense that this person may, may be have, going through a little bit more stresses mm. than usual. Some, you know, unfortunately, some people, you know, it, it, it manifests as excessive like substance abuse, right? People will drink 
to allow, right, might be smoking, right? And people who, who do all sort of risky behaviors because of burnout, right? Another one is that like, I saw that maybe like a few times in intern year where someone like personal hygiene really is like, you know, <laughs> dropping and, and, and it, it, look, it looks What did like you say it, specifically? Well, does this, you know, does, I've mentioned where I want to in 10 years. I don't want to make it uh, oh, sure. too, too obvious, but you know, people where you can tell that maybe they haven't showered in, in a while. <laughs> so, you know, like, yeah. you know, yesterday this person was smiling like that and like, so they haven't really, you know, had mm -hmm. time to really do that. Um, and some of it comes from people who just, you know, you have only very little time, right? Maybe they're doing knife load or something. They go home, they go to bed. By the time they wake up, it's like 10 minutes before their next shift. They just, <laughs> they, they just like come back into the hospital. They didn't shower, they didn't comb their hair, nothing, right? And you can see that. Yeah, it's like, like that yeah. physical and emotional mental exhaustion just making you so tired you're sleeping, right? And right. it just, it happens. Right, right. So, I mean, it's not supposed to, it's not meant to denigrate anyone that is going yeah. through that, but, but it, that's what happens and, and there are some people where you know that's how burnout manifests right so those are things that can really give you a sense of what someone else might be going through um mm. some people you know might start off a very able capable in terms of managing their emotions and impulses with burnout people just can get impulsive and they're not able to manage their emotions as well so burnout can manifest in a lot of ways and some people it might be mood disorders right people may get anxiety from you know, from being burned out and the stresses right uh, especially if the stress is coming from your boss or someone or a superior uh in, in the workplace that maybe might be intimidating you or whatever at, at the workplace you know people might develop anxieties you know thinking about go, coming coming back to the workplace the next day when they're home. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, between depression, anxiety, uh, which are the some of the <clears> mental <throat> disorders that associated with burnout, some of it also manifests physically, like we, we talked about. So, any, any issue, what, what do you think are some of the causes of, of burnout? And I'm sure the answers are very but Can you give us what you think are the causes of burnout? Yeah, there are definitely a number of both external factors and internal factors. So external right. factors are really things that are outside your control, largely these organizational and systemic factors. So number one, administrative burden and documentation. Yeah. You and I can both attest to the fact that <laughs> there are so many notes to write, um, whether it's your actual consult or clinic note when you see the patient, and those are things you just have to do in between seeing other patients, right? You're just there. You might stay late um, to finish these do documentation. Um, and I know that we cover a lot of things about our attending and we don't see them, but I know they're also filling out other notes. And so all this administrative burden just continues to increase. And, you know, one thing that I always think is interesting Back before where they didn't have these electronic medical records, you'd sit in the patient room, you'd actually like look at the patient and eye to eye. And I do, I try to do my best to do that. But at the same time, I have to keep the chart open so I can type a few things because I know I may not get to 
I may not get to it until much later. I'm going to have to make sure it's all right. And so like, I'll be looking at the computer, right. Or I forget it. Um, so you're looking at the computer and you're not looking at them. And then you also feel this like, oh man, I'm not doing my best to, you know, show this patient I'm actually caring and paying attention. And I think that also adds to things, but that administrative burden is huge. One of the things that I, you know, I was reading about before uh, this episode um, was that we, most physicians spend about half or more of the time that they, they are at work just like charting or doing something on EHR, like some form of documentation. And actually, very little time is spent talking to the people <laughs> that we, we, we actually want to engage with and, and help, which, which is, you know, kind of tells you where, where, mm-hmm. where we are at. And that actually has increased over over the decades. We used to spend more time with our patients and actually kind of connect with them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and now, you know, I feel like we're just kind of, kind of a little bit like robots, like, you know, just going in there because you want to be able to chat and, and, and talk to the patient, but at the same time be documenting. So like, like you said, you know, administrative burden is really a huge issue. Right. And that's one of the reasons, you know, scribes, like medical scribes are a big thing in some places right. because right. like, you know, they, they want to get someone to do that so the doctor can focus on actual doctor work. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but, you know, the next big thing is really the exponential rise in patient calls, emails, and what we call inbox work. So just yeah. different results coming in and then you having to communicate that. And, you know, there are a lot of patients calls, they happen throughout the day. Um, And if you are in a outpatient setting where um, uh, you have patients you've seen on that same day, but you also patients you've seen, you know, months ago, um, they're all your patients and you do have to get back to them. And unfortunately, it may be you and there's only so much time in the day. And, you know, focusing on that and not having the staff in place to help you do that can really be a big burden on the doctor. Right. 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 So, you know, you talking about that, that's actually really interesting. So, you know, I, I'm uh, taking an MBA in healthcare mm-hmm. management now. And uh, one of the things that, you know, some of the things that I've been reading about, you know, we, we're generally talking about physician shortage in one of my classes, right? Of physicians shortage or healthcare provider shortage, right? And there was this really interesting uh, uh, paper about how, like, even though you know, looking at patient to provider like ratio, it lo- it looks like there's a shortage, right? But there's this belief in some group of people that are really thinking about this. They're like, um, if we can actually, re- you know, efficiently do this administrative stuff. Well, with the use of health, health informatics or using AI mm-hmm. to be able to like automatically notify people for things that that things are like a negative that like you don't necessarily have to talk to someone about right uh, you don't have to call someone which takes time because you might call a patient they don't pick up and you have to call them again right <laughs> and that all all those things you add them up it's like so much time you actually add them up and it actually forms a substantive uh, amount of of your day, you know, your yeah. hours that you have in a day, right? So this group of uh, thinkers, what they're doing is that like even hiring people, because like if you look at it, for physician, your time, right? And how much the hospital pay you, right? 
if you're spending your time making phone calls about things that are not critical or, or not that serious that mm-hmm. requires some you know a physician to call them right that is a waste of money right because yeah. someone who can better spend their time doing something that their skill actually requires, right? You don't need to be a rocket scientist to call someone to tell them that their lab that they got, let's say a CBC, was normal, right? You don't need to do that, right? And then, so they will follow up, you should follow up with your primary care doctor uh, for in the six months, right? Something like that. That can be done by literally any individual that has been trained for maybe like a few weeks or so, right? Like to mm. how to talk to patient, right? So being able to like, figure out and actually stratify the workflow in hospitals and healthcare systems. Actually, they think that when you do all of that appropriately, and they, you know, they make these mathematical estimations, when you do all of this appropriately, you're going to find out that the time that physicians actually have to talk to patients and actually engage with them meaningfully, right? Where you actually mm-hmm. spend a little bit more time, right, with them. If you account for the amount of time and the, the number of patients that we have, there is an argument to be made that there's actually no physician shortage. There's actually no MP shortage, right? There's no nursing shortage because we, we, we will be using them, using our resources appropriately, and then we won't be spending so much time doing very mundane things, right? But they obviously talk about how, you know, a lot of the, the things that get in the way of that, one of the big things is litigation, right? Where people feel like, you know, if they don't hear from certain people, uh, this satisfaction in the hospital from patients, yeah. it's going to be poor. But that actually hasn't, that hasn't really been challenged. And that idea of doing this, this stratified work hasn't really been done for people to really say, you know, people are not satisfied or whatever, right? So mm-hmm. that, I felt like that was a very, tied it into how we can, you know, try and, you know, use our time wisely and maybe help reduce burnout on a very systemic level, at least in, in my head. Exactly. We want the resources to be allocated appropriately. And we want right. our time we spent mm-hmm. and energy we spent to be a physician to be able to use that skill set and not need right. to you know, waste that on other, Mm -hmm. other things. That's also requires a mental, it takes up space in our brain, takes up, you know, space of actual physical time. So Mm -hmm. I hope there's a lot of work, more work that goes into that. Right. So, I mean, I think we talked about some external factors. So what what are some of the internal factors do you think that (laughs) contributes to burnout? I think one of the biggest things is having a very, high self-expectation mm-hmm. for ourselves. In other words, right. really perfectionism. Mm-hmm. We, all of us who have become physicians, we've done our best to work hard from the get-go, whether it might've been college when you decided to become a doctor before that, <laughs> but you've yeah. been studying, you've always tried to push yourself to get the best grades to do the best in all your activities. That continues to persist in medical school, you need to do your best just for your own self to show that mm-hmm. you can do your best. And that that need it just feels like it's always cultivated and it continues to be mm-hmm. cultivated and right. it continues to be um, encouraged. And then you mm-hmm. get to residency, you get to attending hood and that feeling, that desire is still there. 
So when you have that desire, you have the high self-expectation, but then things don't always go that way right. in terms of the patient care, in terms of you feeling like you're making an impact on patients and being able to get all your work done appropriately, timely manner, and uh, really doing your best. When you're not doing that, because mm -hmm. you can't achieve what you're trying to achieve, then you get burned out. Then it's just kind of this vicious cycle. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the kind of people that go into medicine generally are competitive, right? And yeah. want to like continue to be better. And I think being wanting to be better at, you know, it's a good thing, but wanting to reach perfection, nobody can be perfect, right? And yeah. There's nobody who, who is perfect. So I think we can strive to be uh, to be better but when we set the goal to be perfect that that's when uh you know we run into some of these things uh, I, mm -hmm. I think someone said what the what the enemy of uh good or or better is is perfection so like you know people get into our heads that we want to be perf this perfect doctor right uh so like we don't know when to delegate things when to even say no right uh to a, a request you know within the workplace where you're not obligated to really say yes to that right but you um, feel that, that you have to do it yeah you feel like you, know? you have to um and and i i understand some of this is also probably has to do with the culture too right that you you find yourself in if everybody is in the mode of doing that and you know you might catch the culture and and also kind of like fall into line when it comes to that that's why this is both like on on a very systemic level an issue right and but at the same time you know we do have individual behaviors that may lend us to burnout and then i'll say that some people might use work also as a substitute for social life right and that may be good and everything but you know, not realizing that if you're not able to distance yourself sometimes from work and, and have that balance over time, you're going to burn out. Uh -huh. And that's something that is important for one to really understand about themselves and the nature of medicine, you know, as well. Yeah, work, work can be fun, but um, it's definitely not a social life. <laughs> yeah, so we, we've, we've talked about uh, what burnout is. Um, you know, we put some numbers on the prevalence of burnout, um, you know, the kind of specialties that really get affected the most with burnout, but really it's, it's a problem in all of medicine. We looked at some of the signs in burnout, how to identify that in yourself and, and in your colleagues so that we can better help those around us. And some of the causes of burnout, right? In our uh, in our next episode, what we'll be talking about that is. So we're going to talk about, you know, why this burnout matters, our own struggles with burnout, and mm -hmm. some solutions to the problem, both on a systemic scale and individually, what we can do. So before we go, Hilario, you know, since we're talking about burnout, <laughs> is there anything fun or new that you've done recently? Oh, man. So I I wouldn't say it is new, but I... I I recently got a injured, right, in a soccer injury. And then mm -hmm. I, I was cleared recently to really be able to play soccer again. So Congratulations. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I played a match this weekend with my team. We lost 3-2, but I scored a goal. <laughs> and, and that was a good feeling. Uh, so 
it was good to nice. be able to get back to get back to playing without a whole lot of hesitation. I was playing a little bit before I was fully cleared, but I was always very hesitant because I hadn't really gotten there, you know, go ahead uh, from that standpoint. Um, another thing that I've, I've been doing, this is earning season now, right? Uh, I don't know if you're, if you're an investor, mm-hmm. you know that uh, around this time it's like a third quarter, like earnings reports. So I've been listening to some of that, looking at some of my, you know, investments that I've been making and seeing how they're doing, especially in this macroeconomic like downturn that we're hearing a lot about whether there's going to be a recession or not. So for me, that's fun. And that's something that diverts my attention away from work sometimes. So I like doing that kind of stuff. So that's what I've been doing. Well, that sounds, that sounds fun. I'm glad you were able to score the goal and hopefully you made some money or will make money. <laughs> well, it's all about long term. It's all about long term. I, I am trying to make some money, but also, you know, try to look out for my long term, uh, what's it called, financial independence. So, yeah, and I mean, I'm into that kind of thing. Well, hopefully, listeners, you enjoyed our episode about burnout. Tune in next week, and maybe by next week, Hilaria will have made some good money <laughs> we don't have that, to, we, <laughs> that is that is still short term that is still short term uh, ask, ask me in 10 years how much money i've made all right all right all right see you all right all right see you